welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be diving into the first half of the Twin Peaks pilot. Yes. Super exciting. <laughs> Probably my favorite show of all time. <laughs> but it's not just us this week. Nope. We have another special guest. We do. Our guest this week is Josh Waller. Woo! Hi. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> you just threatened me with uh, by knife point. That's... Collectively, our favorite person. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Top three. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, why don't you introduce yourself, Josh? Oh, hi. I'm Josh Waller, uh, Jacksonville, born and raised. Um, I, by day, am a, a legal assistant for a divorce law firm. Very uplifting, exciting stuff. And uh, <laughs> uh, but my avocation and what my passion is is I'm a theater artist. I'm an actor, and yes, I also uh, co-founder of a theater company in Jacksonville, the Five and Dime Theater yes. Company. You can yes. find us at thefiveanddime.org. <laughs> hey, plug. Um, and so when I'm not, you know working i'm pretty much found in a theater somewhere doing something yeah i think yes. you pretty much were non-stop last year <laughs> yeah. last year was a record year yeah you know. well finally you got a break in your schedule and you can join us yeah. and not just any episode no this is the quintessential david lynch episode <sighs> the first episode of twin peaks well, and this is how I got into David Lynch. I think. Yeah, I think I did... pretty much everybody. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely me. Um, when did you first see Twin Peaks? You know, it not that long ago. I was trying to think about when it was. Maybe ten years ago. I think it was when it, whenever it was released on Netflix and it was readily available. Yeah. I shamefully, I think you and some other friends had for years tried to convince me to watch it, and <laughs> I for mean, some of reason, course, I tried to convince everyone I know to watch it. <laughs> Even my well, dad started watching it recently. Well, I just, I guess, I my you know impression not having ever seen it at that point was I thought it was you know really scary. I think, and uh. I'm not as scary as you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> entertainment kind of person. So. I think I stayed away from it for that reason for a while, but yeah. So maybe whenever that was, I, I should. Yeah. Um, I don't know. When, when did Netflix come out? <sighs> I don't oh, know. God, like well. the streaming or yeah, the DVD? The streaming. The streaming, I would say, what, five, six years ago? No. I feel like it hasn't been that long. I think it was in the 2000s, like maybe 2007, eight, The streaming? Nine. <laughs> I don't know. Time is lost on me. Okay, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> Um, before we do um, everybody's first impressions, though, I did want to do a little breaking David Lynch news. Da, 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 da. David Lynch. <laughs> David Lynch had a um, Netflix special come out out of the blue called What Did Jack Do? And it's like 15 minutes, I think. <clears throat> it's black and white. It is very Lynchian. I think he made it previously and just for... Um, I don't know why I released it now on Netflix, but um, yeah, I watched it. It was quite delightful and I can't wait. We'll definitely get to it. It's so crazy because when I started this podcast, I thought, well, it's doubtful there'll be all that much Jane Austen stuff. I mean, there might be a few adaptations, but mm -hmm. you know, David Lynch, he puts out stuff, but it's few and far between, it feels like. But I guess we're just going to keep getting stuff. So <laughs> this podcast so, might last for a while. It's <laughs> a never ending podcast. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, okay. So, um, yeah, everybody, we're going to get to what did Jack do someday. And it's yes. going to be fine. 
But for now, let's do our first impression. Uh, Josh, do you want to start? Oh, sure. Yeah, what yeah. was your first, when you first saw it? Yeah, um, I think when I first saw it, uh, the first thing that struck me was, you know, you hear about what an influential series it was. It was kind of the first of its kind. Right. And I remember just thinking, I think at the time the killing was on AMC oh. and it got compared to Twin Peaks a lot. And maybe I didn't really understand why, and maybe I'm getting the timeline <laughs> wrong, but, um, but I remember just thinking like, having an understanding of why it was so influ influential and how so many shows had looked or felt like it a little bit. Right. But, you know, in David Lynch's way, it has that just little bit of weirdness that separates it from um, from anything else. Yeah. And also, my, another first impression was, you know, it having been, it was, you know, well into the... 2000s when I'd seen it and just to see the kind of quality of the filming <laughs> from that period I was like oh yeah this reminds me of my childhood yeah yeah <laughs> it's crazy because it really is kind of a break in tv history right but what what about you Christian um I think the first time I watched it was probably about two years ago yeah um I think you both told me I needed to watch it <laughs> <laughs> and I I this is Sounds I had like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on brand so david lynch prophet my atkins uh but i and like guiltily had never even heard of david lynch until you guys had mentioned him what? i guess yeah you're he, young yeah he wasn't as like me growing up i had not heard about anything like tim peaks or mulholland driver anything like that but um i loved it when i first watched it <laughs> i loved how like it was very true crimey but mm -hmm. it had its, like, weird little quirks. But then it also, like, got super soapy at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, very 90s soap very opera. Um, and it just, like, it reminded me a lot of um, when uh, I was really little. I used to stay, my um, my abuela would watch me. And we would watch <laughs> telenovelas sometimes. Aww. And it reminded me of that a little bit because it was, like, super, you know, like, late 80s, early 90s feeling. And uh -huh. It was so cheesy. And I loved it. Yeah. I really loved it. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> the first time I ever saw it, I was like 12, <laughs> 13 when it was on. Yeah, very appropriate age. <laughs> well, it had come on and I hadn't seen it. My mom had watched it and she, you know, 12 is actually, I was thinking back to those like sixth, seventh, eighth grade years. And it's like, you do a lot of really growing up at that time. But mm -hmm. yeah. um, My mom took me to see Pulp Fiction in the theater when I was like 13, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I was remembering like um, the first scary, I never watched scary movies, but the first, I read a scary, um, I read Nightmare on Elm Street, the like novelization of the movie when I was 11. Yeah. <laughs> and it really started me in my love of horror. So mm -hmm. I guess maybe that's why my mom was like, "My, you should really watch this show. Um <laughs> But, I mean, I obviously do not remember specifically what I felt the first time I saw the Twin Peaks pilot. But mm -hmm. when I was in college, I got the VHS box set, and it didn't have the pilot, so you had to buy it separately. But the only version you could get was the international pilot. Oh. So I actually have a lot, a lot of memories of watching the international <laughs> pilot. So much so that when I watched the regular pilot, I sometimes go, wait a minute, did I miss something? <laughs> So, I mean, obviously, I love it so much. It's maybe the most influential thing on my personal taste. I like soap operas probably because of it, because 
it's almost like an ironic love of soap operas because Twin Peaks has such a weird ironic view of soap operas. Mm. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it plenty because <laughs> we're just getting started. Um, so, but, but let's for now get into some notes. premiered April 8th, 1990 on ABC. ABC at the time was last in the ratings. There were only three networks at the time. Okay. Um, the tagline, it has uh-huh. a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's good. A mystery that holds its secrets to the very end. That's a good tagline. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of. Wait, I mean, it doesn't really compared... live up completely. Well, actually it does. It, it's yeah. some way. <laughs> yeah. Compared to... Some of the Jane Austen ones we've heard. Well, it's better than a new adaptation of Jane Austen's classic. (laughs) It's at least a little bit more fun. It's actually surprising. I don't feel like a lot of TV gets taglines, so. No. So the cast, we had Kyle MacLachlan as Dale Cooper, Michael Onkeen as Sherry Harriet... Oh, no. Uh, My verbal dyslexia. Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Um, Madkin Amick as Shelly Johnson. They're, I mean, the cast list is huge, but I, I just wrote down... I mean, oh, they're all in everything, so I'm just going to go through them all for now. Dana Ashbrook as Bobby Briggs, Richard Beamer as Benjamin Horn, Laura Flynn Boyle as Donna Hayward, Sherilyn Fenn as Audrey Horn. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say stuff about all of them. Warren Frost. <laughs> Warren Frost is um, Mark Frost, um, the other writer. Mm-hmm. He played Doc, Doc Hayward, Dr. Will Hayward. Um, Peggy Lipton, Norma Jennings, she's uh, Rish- Rashida Jones', Rashida Jones's yeah. mom. Mm-hmm. Um, James Marshall as James Hurley, Everett McGill as Big Ed, Jack Nance, who yes. we saw Eraser in Eraserhead last, um, as Pete Martell, and I've always loved Pete. He's like one of my mm. favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray Wise as Leland Palmer, Joan Chen as Jocelyn Packard, or Josie, Piper Laurie as Catherine Martell. Russ Tamblin from West Side Story. Oh, we already said Richard Beamer is also in West Side Story. Um, mm-hmm. As Dr. Lawrence Jacoby. Eric DeRay, who is the son of the casting director, Joanna Ray. She's his, like, David Lynch's longtime casting director. Um, as Leo Johnson. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're looking at me in this way. <laughs> you can't trust what my face is showing <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Jo Deschanel as Eileen Hayward, Donna's mom. Harry Goez as Deputy Andy Brennan. Gary Hirschberger as Mike Nelson. Michael Horse as Deputy Tommy Hawk Hill. Grace Zabriskie as Sarah Palmer. Cheryl Lee as Laura Palmer. Kimmy Robertson, Lucy Moran. Wendy Robbie as Nadine Hurley. Don S. Davis, Major Garland Briggs. <laughs> Charlotte Stewart, who was also in Eraserhead, as Betty right. Briggs, Bobby's right. mom. Um, Phoebe Augustine was run at Pulaski, and Catherine E. Coulson was the log lady. Log lady. <laughs> That's a, the longest cast list I've ever read. Yeah, <laughs> you were going through show. it. I kept going, oh, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but so. they're all in the first episode. I yeah. assume we probably won't have to go through the whole cast list every time, but I figured for the first episode we should. Yeah. Um, it was written, of course, by David Lynch and Mark Frost. They were put in touch with each other by their mutual agent and um, they pitched the idea right as the Writers Guild of America 
East strike was going on in 1988. But when they pitched it, they said they wanted it to be a mix of police investigation and soap opera and presented, <laughs> they basically presented the idea in like a 10 minute meeting right. with the head of drama, um, Chad Hoffman. And all they really had was like an image and a concept, but <laughs> he liked it. So they got the go ahead to write the script. Any interview I've seen of Mark Frost talking about it, he always says, and David Lynch said, and you can hear the wind through the trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, you can. Yes, yeah. it's very <laughs> prevalent. <laughs> Those trees. <laughs> yeah, so they got the go-ahead to write the script, but they were, like, stuck in this weird limbo because of the writer strike for a while. And they almost, like, forgot about it. But when the strike <laughs> ended, they got a call. And um, when they were writing it, Mark Frost wrote more the more verbal characters like Benjamin Horn mm-hmm. and Lynch wrote um, like Dale Cooper, although Mark Frost did all the typing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, David Lynch has said that Cooper says a lot of the things I say. <laughs> that seems right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they um, really wanted to attract like nighttime soap op- soap viewers like for uh-huh. Dallas and stuff, as well as the more intellectual types, the types that watch like Hill Street Blues. Which I've never watched Hill Street Blues, so I don't never know if it's particularly it. intellectual, <laughs> but I'll take his word on it. <laughs> um, it was originally titled Northwest Passage and set in North Dakota, but there was already a town called Northwest Passage, so they um, wanted to change that in the script. And when they were writing the pilot, they had a map that they drew with the town, and on either side there were these two mountains, so that's why they decided to call it Twin Peaks. Huh. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And, um, I guess the last thing I'll say for the first half of notes is during the pre-production, they were in Washington during its worst winter. And (laughs) one of the interviews I saw said that the sun didn't come out for like three months while they were doing pre-production. And then once the filming started, they were like constantly hit by freak weather, like hail and snow and lightning and wind. (laughs) And, um, they all basically said that ultimately it ended up enhancing the atmosphere of the film and the performances. Mm. That's true. And um, that's all for notes for the first half. So we begin with a bird sitting on a tree. <laughs> That's the first shot of the opening credits. Hilarious. Um, and then it's like we see a sawmill working, and we are getting into this really super long in the pilot um, intro for the mm-hmm. premiere. And it's it's actually a really lovely intro. It's mm-hmm. got like the sawmill, and then it moves to um, the waterfall and the Great Northern, and you get swept down the river. Very scenic. Yeah feels very soap off yeah it does <laughs> but then like the the letters like for twin peaks how it's like very like spooky and almost mm-hmm. like a little alien because it's yeah, like green it backlighting kind of alien quality it's so it. weird <laughs> but it somehow it works it does we see a couple of porcelain black dogs <laughs> and josie um josie packard is putting on red lipstick in the mirror and pete martell tries to make Catherine, his wife <laughs> smile unsuccessfully (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and Josie is just watching 
through her mirror and we hear a lonesome foghorn blowing <laughs> which pete says the lonesome foghorn blows <laughs> oh. and pete is going out to go fishing but um he notices something back on the beach and he goes to investigate and he finds a body wrapped in plastic on a rocky beach Ugh, creepy 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 mm-hmm. is it taped yeah. Yeah. Taped to right? Taped, Ugh. yeah, like all taped up in plastic. Ugh. It's like quite the intro for a show, man. Right. <laughs> it's like within the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So Pete calls the sheriff, and we see Lucy <laughs> trying to transfer the call to the black phone, not the brown phone. <laughs> yeah, the chair that we moved earlier this week with the plant. <laughs> That's a delightful scene, Lucy. Yes, I love it. It's so funny. And Pete tells um, Truman that she's dead, wrapped in plastic. <laughs> and Truman, in like true Twin Peaks economy of words, um, <laughs> says, where? <laughs> where? That's it. Um, you know, he tells Lucy to call Doc Hayward and Andy, and he's off. And so then we see Catherine and Josie standing on the porch in their furs. watching and um andy is taking photos and he starts to cry oh andy oh but i wonder if i wouldn't do that in that circumstance i know you know it it's he's got a real sensitive soul very and it's like such a fine line that david lynch manages to do in this scene because it's like you want to laugh and Everyone else is rolling their eyes at Andy. It's right. not like <laughs> we're supposed to think that this is a good thing that he's doing. But also you feel so bad for him because it's such a sincere, like, you know, reaction. <laughs> right. Well, I think Harry even says, are you going to do this every time? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so he'd either done it before he was yeah. brand new and this was his first murder. Yeah, he said, uh, I think the sheriff says something about like, like last time in Mr. Blubla's barn or something <laughs> Yeah, so then they uh, roll over. They roll. They roll her over, and they open the plastic and see that it's Laura Palmer. It's and Laura. Laura's theme swells. Yes. Yeah, I didn't even mention that Angelo Badalamenti does the music. He also did the music for Blue Velvet. Mm. Right, right, right. So we right. did talk about him before, and we'll definitely talk about him more. But you know, we got plenty of time with Twin Peaks. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then uh, we see Sarah Palmer, and she calls for Laura to come down for breakfast. And she gets no response. She goes to investigate. She's not there. She, her bed is unmade. We get a close-up on the ceiling fan, which I, may or may not be important <laughs> later. I hate this shot. It's so creepy. <laughs> it gives me chills. This whole scene gives me chills because it's, like, a little too real. Oh, yeah. It, mm. Yeah. It rides that line between being totally out there and being way too real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so she, then she calls... Beth, Bobby's mom, to see if Laura is with him. She is not. Bobby's mom has this pair of scissors. Yeah. I, <laughs> she's just, snipping the just whole Just pick them up and I was like, what, is, what does that mean? It, it feels very menacing in some ways, but I feel like she's like the least menacing character. Um, she tries the school. Um, apparently, Bobby hasn't been to practice for a week yeah, or the week before. I don't know. It mm. seems like he's been late. He doesn't week ever before. practice. Oh, in the week before. <laughs> And so then she calls the Great Northern. And we see Audrey walking out of the Great Northern in her Mary Janes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she gets into this fancy car with a driver. And we see uh, Ben Horn and Leland Palmer. And they are 
talking about buying the Packard sawmill when it goes under, but they're already trying to sell the land, even though I don't think they have it yet to these Mm -mm. Norwegians. And uh, so we see them at the meeting with all these Norwegians. (laughs) And one of my favorite lines in the whole show, um, (laughs) Ben quotes Sven, who said this morning, my air sacs have never felt so good. (laughs) (laughs) And pounds on his chest. Doesn't everybody say that when they get up in the morning? (laughs) In the mountains, yes. (laughs) Those Norwegians are hilarious. Um, Okay, but Leland has gotten a call. And he goes to the lobby to take it. And it's his wife, Sarah. She's starting to freak out. And then we see the sheriff arrive. And Leland sees the sheriff. And it's almost like everyone knows instantly Mm. that the worst has happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, he says it's the sheriff. And Sarah knows. And he knows. And the sheriff, obviously, knows. They all know. So it's like, (sighs) so much. um, It is. It's so, like sad and like what's what i've heard in a lot of like the true crime like podcasts that i listen to is that like nobody thinks that it's gonna happen to you yeah and so it's like when he takes the call from his wife at first he's like oh she's probably with bobby bobby has been practice that's probably where she is like nothing bad comes to his mind at all yeah until the sheriff shows up but it's like her mom like knew because mm-hmm. she was like it yeah. was like a panic but it was like more than a panic if it makes sense yeah and then, like, you know, as you see more in the episode, I feel like she has some sort of, like, supernatural-esque connection to, like, Laura and to, like, what's going on. Yeah. And actually, well, I don't want to... We're not trying <laughs> no spoilers. to... We don't want to do any spoilers <laughs> because Christian has seen some of it, but not very much. And it's hard for me as a person who's seen it all a million times. So, like, you know, knowing a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I'm not going to go into that. So... Just so you guys know, because I'm sure, I'm really hoping that, like, a lot of our Jane Austen fans will want to um, actually dip their toe into Twin Peaks, because yes. it's much, it's, like, probably David Lynch's most ex- accessible mm-hmm. um, yeah. work. Yeah, and I would say, as someone who all, like, at the, wasn't really into David Lynch at all, like, didn't know anything about it, Twin Peaks is, like, the perfect entryway, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, when, and I, What I love about that scene, too, is that, uh, it's it feels like the first real release of sadness in the show because yeah. you started off with this awful thing has happened and people are obviously sad about it but David Lynch has this undercurrent of humor just running through that whole part yeah. so you're like kind of chuckling and giggling at these <laughs> things that are happening even though it's all surrounding the story of a sad you know person dying you know yeah and uh, and then when you get to that part it's just like finally a release for you know leland and uh and grace and uh wait sarah, no, sarah sorry. Yeah. the actress is grace yeah um, and uh yeah i yeah and it, it's like such a such a release right. <laughs> yeah um yeah um so she, yeah she knows she knows she's screaming um and crying and uh ben sees leland and leland tells him that his daughter's dead and Sarah's screaming, and then we cut to double R. <laughs> <laughs> and to lighten the mood, Heidi is just coming in. <laughs> she had seconds on knock horse again. <laughs> um, Bobby's there, so we know where he is. Not with mm-hmm. Laura. Um, and he offers Shelly a lift home, and Norma clearly knows the score. <laughs> and Bobby puts the song on... Um, 
on the jukebox as he leaves. And I just love that song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, when it, I didn't realize this when I first watched it, but I was watching it um, the second time. It is so loud. Is there like a raise? I've never been to a diner where you could hear the song clearly outside in your car <laughs> before you get in. So I didn't know if that was like some like choice or if it was just to add like just the funkiness of the whole show. Well, I think it started off as like, music in the diner but we just like kept it going you know Mm -hmm. for just for us audience yeah (laughs) just for our enjoyment (laughs) um so bobby thinks norman knows about them and shelly doubts it and they make out (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) they drink a little bit from a flask a little booze before school of course um and they are coming up to her house and they screech to a halt because her old man leo wasn't supposed to be home, but his truck is there. And he, like, backs up, and she walks the rest of the way home. This part makes me angry, because (laughs) when if you were that scared of Leo, like, why are you peeling rubber and making all this noise, you know? Yeah. It's just not the very smartest, but... Yeah, you also know how I feel about Bobby. So (laughs) I'm gonna go ahead and say that perhaps it wasn't as loud as it seemed to us, and maybe we're just seeing it from their perspective. Maybe Shelly's like, "Could you please be quiet?" Like that's all she can hear because she's like, "Leo's gonna hear." But we're gonna all hope that he was in the shower when that happened. Yes, (laughs) something didn't notice. Um. Okay. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. So (laughs) then we go. uh, Leland goes to the morgue. To see the body. Yes. Um, so he's sad. overwhelmed with grief again. That's sad. And then we cut to school, and Audrey is at her locker changing her shoes into some <laughs> red high heels <laughs> and smoking one drag off of a cigarette <laughs> in her locker. I, I love, love Audrey. She's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. She is definitely a favorite. Um, Donna and her share a smile because Donna's just like, Look ridiculous. <laughs> And James is looking for Laura, and um, a strange boy dances down the hallway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. school. Ooh. I know. Cigarettes in the lockers. I know. Cool dancing down the hall. It does kind of look like my middle school. Like, if it was a blue stripe, it would look a lot like my middle school. <laughs> um, so Bobby gets there late, and um, Mike tells him that, the cops are looking for him and he gets called into the office and he's way too carefree about this whole situation. (laughs) That lady was pissed. (laughs) She was like, no more of your bullshit. I'm putting on my teacher voice. Get in here now, young man. (laughs) Um, Then we are in Donna and James's classroom and the teacher is taking roll and an officer comes in and then a girl screams and runs just down the, the courtyard. The courtyard. That's one of my. Yeah. And Donna is already like, as soon as she hears Bobby's name, she's freaking out. And then she hears the scream and then she's freaking out. And then the teacher and the cop talk and the teacher looks at Laura's empty chair and Donna loses it. And because she knows. She knows. And James breaks a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic. <That's> so tough. <laughs> um, then we see the police questioning Bobby. And he's being so obnoxious. God, I mean, my least favorite. I hate Bobby. I know. It's just so funny to see them all now at the very beginning and know how far they come in the series. Like, every single character has huge arcs. And Mm -hmm. it's just really 
fun to always mm. to go back to the beginning and be like, oh, you guys, <laughs> Bobby, why are you such a jerk? <laughs> um, and then Harry uh, tells Bobby about Laura and uh, he wants an alibi, basically. But Harry's such a good cop because he's like, you're going to get a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't try to coerce him or anything. Um, but Bobby has to be physically restrained because he's freaking out. And then Principal Wolchek makes the announcement. Ugh, I was thinking about, like, the the reality of that. Like, if this were a real story, like, to have to give that sort of announcement over the intercom. Like, you know, that actor plays it really well and, and upsetting. See how Yeah, and I know him from other stuff. Yeah. I feel oh, like he's yeah. in lots of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Donna is, like, surrounded by all these girls in class. <laughs> They're all unfeeling. They're just looking at her. Yeah, they're all touching her. And I'd be like, get off of me. <laughs> they're trying to absorb her despair. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away. Yeah, but I was thinking, you know, everyone in school probably knows who Laura is. Oh, yeah. She's the homecoming queen. So oh, even yeah. if they don't know her personally, they're probably all like, holy crap, if it can happen to her. Mm, yeah. You know? Well, like from what I got up to this point, it seems like... These are like, you know, that group is like the popular kids, but they're not like shitty popular kids. Yeah, like they I don't feel like seem, they're seniors, you know. They don't seem yeah. mean. So it's like, I bet you everyone knew her and was like, oh, she's so sweet, whatever. And then now she's, yeah. you know, yeah. dead. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, we actually see the picture of Laura as homecoming queen even. The infamous uh, picture. Yeah. And we go from that picture to the same picture and uh, her house uh, where Sarah is getting a dose of calming medicine and making some... <laughs> extreme whimpering noises oh, like, here comes the comedic relief <laughs> i know it's like funny and sad at the same yeah. time it's really writing the perfect line um it's like I, I guess it's like that's what you get to when you get past the i can't cry anymore like yeah, you're, you're just just exclaiming still primal just can't. <laughs> primal screams yeah so um harry is questioning her on when she last saw laura and she, there's like footsteps upstairs and she's like who's upstairs I could, and um, he, you know, it's just Leland and his, um, another, a cop, well, it's Hawk, actually, but um, she says, I can tell from the sounds that it isn't her. Ugh. That's sad. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and we see Hawk upstairs, and he finds Laura's diary and a camera, and uh, Sarah says that good night was the last thing they said to each other, Aww. and that Laura got one call that night, which I don't know if that actually becomes relevant until Firewalk with me, but... <laughs> i just like maybe think about like how like today obviously we have like caller id and phone numbers that you can trace back but back then it's like who knows (laughs) yeah i bet they could trace that i mean i bet they could figure out who called i don't know because like a lot of the stuff i've heard i've heard especially from like the 90s like a lot of people say the 90s was the worst time to investigate because there's no cameras no phone like tracking like other than if you're online from what i've heard at least right but it's like, you know, it's a lot of like, you're going to have to do a lot of deep, like deep digging. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so funny also to think, because, you know, I grew up in the time of landlines and mm-hmm. Laura clearly had her own line. Of course. Which of when you're like a senior, <laughs> a girl, at least probably most guys too, you know, if your parents could afford it, you'd have your own line because they did not want you 
Oh, you had your, <laughs> your own separate ring. Yeah, I had actually like a phone with a really long cord, so I could go in my closet and I had like it all oh, set yeah. up to talk on the phone. Oh, man, yeah. I talked on the phone so much. That's what you did at that age. I know, dude, but kids don't do that anymore, do no. they? They just text. No, exactly. And do and WhatsApp TikTok. Or, yeah, TikTok. They <laughs> just do TikTok. <laughs> Okay, so while they're there, um, there's actually a phone call at Laura's house, and it's, um, it's someone explaining that Ronette Pulaski has also gone missing. Ugh, chills. And her father works at the mill. And so we go to the mill, and one of my absolute favorite things that I always quote in my head all the time, two by four, four, <laughs> four by eight. <laughs> two by four, four <laughs> by eight. I love Jack Vance. <laughs> Me too. He's so good. I feel like from the very beginning, the first time when I was – 13, 12 years old watching this. I He was my favorite character. So funny. Um, okay, so Josie and Catherine come in, and they're fighting. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Josie is insisting that the mill is shut down for the day, and Catherine is livid, but Josie owns the mill. So, so she tells Pete to push the plug. And, um, <laughs> yep, right, push the plug. Yeah, and she makes an announcement explaining that she wants – to shut down the mill for the day so that everyone can go home and spend time with their families. And Catherine fires some poor guy on her way out. <laughs> she's so, sorry for that guy. Yeah. Uh, Not a good look for Catherine. No. <laughs> no. You really don't like her. No, she's, um, well, I mean, she has her moments later yeah. on. I mean, they yeah, all yeah. go through stuff, so. Well, it's just yeah. like, I don't know, just that scene, I think, is what, like, makes you like, oh, what is wrong? What's like, what's up her butt? Like, yeah. Like, if someone who works there, their daughter is missing after some girl was just found murdered her same age. So yeah. it's like, you would think. On your freaking beach. <laughs> exactly. So you would think. Yeah. But, I, 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 but, you know, it's almost the ones that start off the worst mm, who you're like, you end up liking the most. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. So then we see Ronette walking along. Um, one of those tra- oh, train bridges. Gave me chills. I love those train bridges. They're so creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and when did they become creepy? <laughs> when They've the girl? always been creepy. We have one in downtown Jacksonville that I've always thought. Actually, I bet it was watching Annie as a kid. <laughs> the creepiest movie. Here we go. Yeah. This is where I was trying to get. <laughs> what what, of the bridge at what the end. made <laughs> the those kinds of bridges? The creepiest movie of all time. <laughs> Annie. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty scary, though. That's actually one of those movies that I bet if I watched again, I'd be like, oh, my God, I watched this movie a thousand times as a child, and I know every line. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time, though. <laughs> um, okay, so we see Ronette. She's, like, in a slip. She's got rope tied around her hand. Ugh. She's barefoot and bloody. Um, Bruised up. Yeah. So scary. And, like, some guy who's doing some adjustments on the train track sees her. But then we um, go to James talking to his uncle, Big Ed, and he says, Laura was the one. And I wrote, okay, James. (laughs) (laughs) James. So much brooding, so much intensity. Oh, James. 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 Oh, we haven't got there. (laughs) Um, He leaves a note for Donna and um, Nadine, Big Ed's wife, is saying that she wants her drapes up (laughs) by nightfall. (laughs) It said they'd be done by noon. Yep. And then Cooper! Yay! Yay! He finally arrives. Only like 38 minutes in. (laughs) Seriously. Um, So he's driving, recording a message for Diane. And you were asking, is Laura Dern in this? And I was like, 
Yeah, kind of. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sort she's of. the star <laughs> in spirit. We don't know it yet, but she is. <laughs> but she was so good. That's what she just, she became that tape recorder and we just never knew. <laughs> exactly. She, she took on a whole life of her own. Yeah. She became a tulpa, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Cooper is talking about how much he loves the trees and how he has issues with weathermen. <laughs> because they are always wrong um he's low on gas he really likes lunch at the lamplighter inn especially the cherry pie (laughs) Mm. and he needs a place to stay clean reasonably priced (laughs) (laughs) he knows what he wants he knows what he wants and he says it several times um so then the real love story of twin peaks begins cooper meets harry (laughs) (laughs) i love their partnership (laughs) so harry is happy that cooper is here cooper has to set some boundaries right at the beginning and um but you know harry's like it's fine i i called you remember i want you here (laughs) (laughs) so he's like this seems like a lot but they pretty much move very quickly on to douglas furs and then straight (laughs) on to the corridors report it's like he's he goes like we have to get things straight Oh, these trees are amazing. I need the corridors report. <laughs> what kind of trees are these? Yep. We're already getting Cooper. Uh-huh. Yes. I feel like he doesn't even become Cooper until after the pilot because he still seems so young in the pilot. <laughs> when how long after this was uh or was Twin Peaks after Blue Velvet? Um a couple of years. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, because Blue Velvet was like eighty seven. I think so. I was going to say 87 or 88. Even younger in Blue Velvet. I mean, oh, yeah. It's just yeah. crazy. And I think it, because I think it went Dune, then Blue Velvet, uh, and then... Blue Velvet's 86. 86, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's been like four or five years. Yeah, and I think, it's like, between the pilot, I feel like they all look super young in the pilot, even compared to, like, the first episode or second, depending on how you want to number them, but we'll get into that some other day. <laughs> okay. So they go to check on Ronette at the hospital, and she had been raped several times, but um, the connect but her connection to Laura is unknown, um, and she is not responsive enough enough to question. But Cooper examines her fingers, and there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> but while he's doing it, Ronette says, "Don't go there." In her sleep, very ominously. Yep. And then uh, we're in an elevator with a one-armed man. I just thought I'd mention it for no reason. Mm-hmm. Just um, <laughs> file that away. Uh, Dr. Jacoby comes up and introduces himself. <laughs> oh, Lord. What a... He's like all smiles and he has these two um, earplugs sticking straight out of his ears. Giant earplugs. <laughs> and he says that Laura was his patient. He's a psychiatrist. And he's like, can I go to the morgue with you? <laughs> It's a small town. They can do things like that. He's a kooky guy. <laughs> yeah, you could tell from his tie, his hula, his hula, hula girl tie. tie. <laughs> it had like actual like little Yeah, it straw. didn't have the colored glasses, like yes. one blue, one red. Yes. Yeah. So kooky. Yeah, Cooper's like, no, you can't come with us. Why would you want to? <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> and uh, before he leaves, uh, Dr. Jacoby mentions that Laura's parents didn't really know she w- that she was seeing me. Uh yeah. Which was, I was like, red flag. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, definitely. He's one of the many J's yeah. that are mentioned in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then we're in the morgue scene, another morgue scene. They're examining um, Laura, but I wanted to add a little extra note here because um, this scene, first of all, the flickering light 
was just like a malfunction that David Lynch decided, oh, that's cool. I like that. Let's keep it. And the morgue employee who um, he's like, could you leave us alone? And he says, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, could you leave us alone? That was actually just like a true mistake because the guy couldn't hear. He he thought he had asked him his name. Right. And David Lynch liked it so much that he just kept kept it it because it felt so natural. (laughs) And it's one of the best like little moments. It's like perfect little moment. Yeah. Especially for Twin Peaks. Um, So, okay. Who's Joe? (laughs) (laughs) Write that down. It's a J. Yeah, that's probably, I'm sure there were people <laughs> by the end. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so, okay. Cooper examines Laura's finger, and it's kind of gross. Uh, I couldn't I, look. I did I learn look. how it was really done. He, like, is actually going behind his her finger to his finger, so it just oh. looks like he's going under the nail. But, um, yeah, so I can kind of watch it now, just keeping that in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah it was really gross but he finds a tiny piece of paper with an r on it and he's seen this on another case and cooper looks really creepy in this scene mm. <laughs> okay so then donna rolls into big eds and she gets the note that james left and it's a note to meet him at the roadhouse tonight and then mike pulls up and he's all stupid and demanding <laughs> shitty boyfriend he's so horrible in this he's, episode i think my least favorite yeah i like him even less than bobby yeah. <laughs> but you know i also end up really loving him by the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but he is horrible in this episode really the worst um so mike is like demanding he wants donna to go to the sheriff's um and then he leaves and both donna and ed are like we sure know how to pick them because Nadine is like, I need those drapes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, they both say we know how to pick them. And then there's a thunder crash and that's halfway. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so much. <laughs> so much left to do. I know. There's. It feels so long, but it it's was. only an hour and a half. Now, I guess let's do a deep dive. Okay deep dive and this time i decided to do the deep dive on mark frost okay because since we are a david lynch podcast i wouldn't want to go into twin peaks without you know really recognizing like half the I say half, half the show half the show um mark frost he is like i mentioned uh, doc hayward's son <laughs> warren frost um he was born in brooklyn uh raised in los angeles and he started writing professionally at 15 whoa Oh, oh yeah. Okay, he studied at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, <laughs> Minneapolis, in high school, and he went on to study theater, like acting, writing, and directing at Carnegie Mellon University. Oh, yeah. I had some friends from school who went there, and they ended up on Broadway. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great school. Yeah. Um, so after college, he moved back to LA and started writing for television. He wrote for the Six Million Dollar Man. Did uh, you ever see that? No. No. Wasn't uh, that's when that's was it a show or is it a movie? I don't know. Was he invisible? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the one where it's like this guy is like in this like really terrible accident and like doctors have to rebuild him and they're like <laughs> it's like very eighties in the sense that they're like. Um, well, why don't we just do this new experimental like robotic stuff on him? Oh. Isn't it the guy who can like? Look at him knowing I, something like, we don't you, know exactly. from before our time. Get out of here! <laughs> well, I think they did it on an episode of How Did This Get Made? I think. 
But I also I remember seeing like clips of it on like I think VH1 or MTV did like countdowns of like whatever oh. cheesiest eighty movies. I mean, movies it sounds so familiar. And but you're, I mean, it's probably like a bionic. He's bionic. Mm-hmm. I was well, thinking I, invisible, but I think they did like the six. Was it six million dollar man? And then yes. they had a series after that, the six million dollar woman, and it was a woman this time. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was so ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, well, after his $6 million man, he moved on to work on Hill Street Blues, where he was, um, I think, the story editor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and he got an Emmy nomination and a WGA award for that. So, um, okay. They formed Lynch and Frost Productions, or he formed Lynch and Frost Productions with David Lynch, and they worked together on several unmade film projects. So they wrote a bunch of movies that didn't get made. And then, of course, Twin Peaks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and Twin Peaks ended up er- earning him a Golden Globe and a wow. Peabody Award. And the show also earned 17 other Emmy nominations throughout its time. Lynch and Frost also collaborated on a show called On the Air, which I think is on YouTube. So I'm, I'm definitely hoping we can do that one one day. I've never yes. seen that, and I'm excited to maybe look at that one. I'm excited. Yeah. And... um. I think I didn't write it down, so maybe not. But they, I think they also did that show Hotel Room. I don't know if Frost was part of that, though. Um, he was an executive producer on Fire Walk with me and also a documentary about Hugh Hefner called Once Upon a Time. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, and he also co-wrote and directed a feature film called Storyville. Huh. I haven't heard of either of those. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, he also... Maybe the Hugh Hefner one. ...wrote um, Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. The the down? one, the first one. The, I did write uh, that down. Yeah. The one with um, Chris Evans. Yeah, both of them, actually. <laughs> Isn't that weird? He co-wrote for um, both the one with Chris Evans. Both of the ones with Chris Evans. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Um, after Twin Peaks, he started writing novels... Um, I think he did some under his own name, but he also had a pseudonym, Eric Bowman. Some Mm -hmm. of them are called The List of the Seven, The Six Messiahs, and Before I Wake. Um, The List of the Seven, though, I think David Lynch owns the film rights for that one. So (laughs) maybe someday. We'll get a nice little movie. Yeah. He also wrote several nonfiction books about golf. (laughs) I wrote several (laughs) nonfiction golf-based books. (laughs) And somehow someone made golf more boring. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or maybe you made it interesting. Uh, one of them is called The Greatest Game Ever Played. And Debatable. he also <laughs> wrote and produced a feature film for Disney based on that book. Yeah, didn't it have, um, it had Shia LaBeouf in it. What? It did. Wait, what was it called? The Greatest, <laughs> the greatest Game Ever Played. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, a wh- it was a while ago. It was like 2000s. You know, I he was really occasionally young. have watched the good golf movie. Every Name one while, besides like Caddyshack. <laughs> um, what was... Okay, now I totally lost. I had one in my head and I totally forgot it. Okay. Uh, what about that Adam Sandler one? Oh, yeah, okay. Happy yeah. Gilmore. Yeah. That Happy Gilmore. I... Don't ask me. <laughs> I thought they were the same thing. <laughs> that and Caddyshack. What? <laughs> no, it's... I don't think I've seen Caddyshack. At least not really? in a really long time. It's, Never seen know, it. Classic game. Yeah, I'm sure my parents saw it. Oh, he also wrote a YA series called The Paladin Prophecy. Have you? No. But I, you know, that is typical. I would read something like that. I should read some Mark Frost books because... I feel like you would like them. Yeah. What's wrong with me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and when Twin Peaks The Return came out, he also co-wrote all the episodes as well as two companion books. That, those weren't co-written. Those were just him. But um, the companion books mm-hmm. were called 
Secret History of Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks The Final Dossier. Ooh. I have read those. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he lives in California with his wife and son. Um, he actually appears in episode eight of okay. Twin Peaks um, as Cyril Pons, a news reporter. Um, he's on the TV in Shelley's room. So maybe when we get to that episode, uh, we could be like, there he is. Um, and he also reprised his role in part 15 of The Return. <laughs> I definitely remember him in The Return. Um, and be, um, because he's a real person and I could look at his chart, <laughs> I could sort him and what he is actually. <laughs> <laughs> so what is he? So I'll tell you, he is a Sagittarius <gasps> with a Leo moon and his rising sign is unknown. <laughs> Um, and I was wondering, could it be a Virgo? Because I looked up Jane Austen's chart and she had a rising Virgo and, uh, Virgos are very meticulous. And I thought, well, that's perfect for a writer. So I was wondering, maybe it's a writing thing. He's also, uh, from what I could see, has a lot of Libra and Scorpio in his chart. Um, Libra is, represents the scales, which is justice. And I know that he's very active politically on Twitter. So okay. that kind of made sense to me. And um, Scorpio tends to delve into life's mysteries and likes to explore like the underside. So well, I was like, your chart, <laughs> your chart feels doesn't... very right. I don't <laughs> it <know>. doesn't lie. <laughs> and then for Harry Potter, I thought maybe he'd be a Ravenclaw or a Gryffindor. I thought Ravenclaw. Yeah. yeah. He seems more yeah. intellectual than like a. Um... Yeah. You think of writers probably a little more Ravenclaw. Yeah. Because I feel like if if he was like a Gryffindor-esque writer, he'd have a little bit more like um, uh, valiantness to him. Like he'd be like a little bit more outward with it. He seems a little well, bit more Well, I mean, I, I follow him on Twitter and he is very political, like, you know, fighting for justice type thing. So I oh. could see just from looking at his Twitter, he might be a Gryffindor. Yeah, maybe we'll do a hybrid. Yeah, he could be a Gryffindor. 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 All right. <laughs> I've been waiting to do this one until we got to Twin Peaks because um, it's actually my favorite podcast. Um, It's called Diane and it is a Twin Peaks podcast and they are just super, super smart and they just talk about theories and they get into like, um, like, I feel like they're all doctors of something like (laughs) um, (laughs) Rosie, one of the hosts, she's got i think like a religious anthropology background and um anyway it's a great podcast it's british and no i I know i say that every week (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah um they're they've got like they've gone through the whole every episode of twin peaks and now they're redoing the last season um so you know Listen to us and then listen to them. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to add them to my queue. Yeah. I haven't heard You of should this follow one. along as we go along. I would say we are like the perfect companion podcast. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. I support them on Patreon. I love them. So definitely check them out. Yes. My recommendation for this week is going to be the new HBO series, The Outsider. <gasps> oh. Um, based on Stephen King novel. It, I think it's the third episode that just came out or the fourth. Third? fourth fourth yeah i can't it's so i can't i can't explain how like immersed i get into like the whole like universe of it because like it is one of the creepiest things i've ever watched and one of the like i just i don't know what to expect i don't know if i'm expecting a typical stephen king like 
supernatural, clearly supernatural element to it, uh-huh. or if there's going to be some sort of like weird explanation. So it, it kind of goes hand in hand with like Twin Peaks in a way. Yeah. I feel like it's that kind of feeling minus the soapiness. I definitely want to watch <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I um was go. I thought about watching it the other day, but um. I was a little too scared to watch it by myself, but maybe I'll give it a shot. It's, Usually, you can handle TV, okay? Uh, but <laughs> it's it's got some creepy images, so just prepare yourself. But maybe I um, when it's still light outside. Yeah, yeah. watch it at nine a.m. <laughs> <laughs> but I I um I get a very sharp objects feeling if you've watched that. Um, watch the first half. <laughs> yeah, I feel like sharp objects is very polarizing. You liked it or you didn't. Um, but this one the story is very different it's just the feeling of like the darkness and oh yeah the unknown it's really good yeah i definitely love would try it. i love stephen king yeah and it's jason bateman directing it so it's really oh, really, really it's really first, good first two only the first two yeah i think so oh okay well it's really good i'm gonna try it all right and oh um th- well it's not necessarily a recommendation that everyone can enjoy <laughs> it's a little self-serving but uh <laughs> my theater company in a couple weeks we're opening um, Lysistrata, uh, right. Greek play, uh-huh. uh, and the super excited about this because our director, Kristen Livingston, came to us uh, months ago with this idea that she wanted to do it with an all female cast, and I thought that was amazing. And here we are about to open on February 21st with not only an all female cast, but an all female crew nice. and ev- yes. all female designers, all female directors. It's really awesome. Uh, they're having a great time, and I'm so excited. Is that the excited. show about, or is that about women withholding sex yeah. from their husbands? Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll definitely That's be in attendance. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we could use a little bit of that. Um, and so that opens February 21st. But in general, for those that don't live in Jacksonville and can't get to the Five and Dime, I just always recommend seeing local theater. Yeah. Everywhere you go, there's great theater happening. <laughs> good recommendation. Very good. And um, next week, we're going to be doing the second half of the Twin Peaks pilot. So we hope you'll join us. Yes. And our contact information, (laughs) in case you want to reach out to us, our Gmail is mannersandmadness at gmail.com. Yes. Our Twitter is at mannersmadness. Instagram at mannersmadnesspod. And our website is mannersandmadness.com. Yes. So we hope you guys reach out to us. Please reach out. Every week I check and I go, nobody's with this week. (laughs) (laughs) We did have a a pretty good amount of listener questions for one of our mashups. Oh, yeah. We did. Those were mostly all our friends. (laughs) They're still, they still reached out, though. Yes. So maybe it'll encourage other people to reach out. she cornered me in a bedroom to give me your questions. I was like, please ask me your question. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Why? But please, write in your questions. Yes. Write in any sort of... We want to know how you felt the first time you watched Twin Peaks. Yes. We want to know how you felt the first time you watched any of the things we've covered so far. We want to know if this is your first time ever watching Twin Peaks, if you're going to watch it with us. Maybe you're a Jane Austen fan who was like, okay, I'll give Twin Peaks a shot. (laughs) Yeah, we want to know. Yes. Like I said, it's the easiest, uh, in my opinion. I've seen a couple different David Lynch things, but this is probably the best entryway because you're getting you're just getting so much like information slowly it's not a bunch of weirdness all at once yeah exactly <laughs> you know because jane <laughs> austen i feel to the weirdness because <laughs> <laughs> i feel like jane austen is very like you know it's not any like you know weird underlying like supernatural kind of things yeah it's very like real life almost yeah so mm-hmm. this is definitely a good entry point 
Um, but yeah, just give it a shot. And yeah. Um, and for all of our Twin Peaks fans yes. who are listening, we're about to start reading Northanger Abbey soon. So we'd love it if you would give that a shot and yes. try reading a Jane Austen book with us. We're going to have a lot of fun doing that as well. So um, yes, we're about to start a whole new adventure in the podcast. I'm very excited. Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> I've never read a Jane Austen book, so it'll be my first one. Yes. Um, but yeah. And so please also, uh, if you can, give us five stars on uh, Apple or Spotify and leave us a review. We really would appreciate it. It would help us get the podcast out more. Yeah. So And share it on social media. You know, if you're enjoying it, you think, hey, I know someone who loves Jane Austen and David Lynch or one or the other. Um, Share it with them. Yes. Because we'd love to have all of you guys participate with us. Yes. All right. (laughs) Well, I think that's all for today. All right. See you next week. Good night. (laughs) 